Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for another conversation. I'm Sharon Butler, painter, art writer, and publisher of Two Coats of Paint, a New York magazine that focuses on painting. Today, I'll be talking with East Village artist Sally Applebaum about Art Republic Space, which is a fiscally sponsored organization she's created to explore ideas and develop housing models that address the needs of older artists from workspace to archiving and storage. The goal is to enable older older professional artists to keep working and enriching the arts and culture to build community and provide support. Hi, Sally. Hello. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. (laughs) Um, You got your BA from Connecticut College in New London, which incidentally is where I was born, oh and God. your MFA from <laughs> Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia. Can you tell us a little bit about how your career unfolded, how you ended up in the East Village, and then, well, let's just start with that. Okay, I guess uh, from the very beginning, I want to say it didn't unfold in a linear way by any means. Um, But I got my MFA in photography from Tyler, which was 15 minutes away from where I grew up. So Tyler was state school for me. And as soon as I graduated, I immediately moved to New York and lived in the requisite, you know, 10, 15 places before I finally was able to sign a lease in the East Village. And the East Village was... uh, interesting place at that time, 80s. Um, They used to see Patti Smith and Lenny Kay in in dive bars and Mm -hmm. all of that. But um, anyway, (laughs) it it was a natural place for an artist to to land. And um, I, I, of course, uh, I had a portfolio and I walked it around and I, I had a hard time, you know, initially finding work and finding, getting started. And um, I gradually created a, a spot for myself as a consultant on historic photographic collections. Hmm. And um, I, I ended up working with a bunch of interesting collections. And I, I worked with the Museum of the City of New York, the Transit Museum, the New York Municipal Archives, uh, just these incredible institutions, and with private collectors. And they'd find stuff, and they wouldn't know what it was. Uh, And I'd get called in, and uh, I'd worked with these fabulous objects, like uh, the Jacob Rees negatives. They were bright yellow Mm -hmm. because someone hadn't fixed them properly or something. And of course, curators didn't know what they were dealing with. So that's, uh, that got me started. Uh, I worked with Reginald Marsh negatives, with Ouija, McKinmead and White architectural images, and early infrastructure of New York images. Mm-hmm. And I mention this because I have a long-standing interest in public art, but also a long-standing interest in public works and in involving artists in planning and uh, designing uh, you know, the, the spaces for, for the public and the uh, you know, structures for the public. And I think it started with the, this exposure to these amazing archives and to this record of New York taking shape so why don't you tell us a little bit about Art Republic Space and how you became interested in that? Well, okay, I'm over 60. <laughs> I've been a working artist for, I don't know, at least 35 years. And I've, I guess I've watched over the years as friends of mine sort of fade from the scene and they're doing stuff like caring for ill or elderly uh, partners, or they're taking care of older parents, and now I'm in that situation of taking care of an elderly parent, and it's, and and thinking about, you know, what, what I'm, what's going to happen to me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to put it very bluntly, 
But I looked around at the landscape, you know, where for older Americans and particularly for older artists, and there's nothing really interesting. You know, there's nothing really great. There's nothing that really is out there that is designed to uh, enable artists to keep working. And I've come to see that, like, the years from 60 to 80, I think for a lot of artists, it's, it's a very productive time for them and a, mm -hmm. a time of breakthroughs. And, and there's been research on this, you know, Matisse and Turner and Monk, there, there's interest in their later works. And it just, I find it just keeps getting harder to work as an artist. And, mm -hmm. and I see my friends, you know, those who aren't working at home, uh, they're uh, nomads when it comes to studio space. And I just don't understand why more attention isn't going to uh, artists over 50 who are, I, I, uh, people over 50 are a third of the population. So they're, and artists over 60, there are thousands. And it's like you turn uh, 60 and uh, you know, you're sort of written off. And there's also, I, I feel this underlying uh, kind of prejudice or ageism where, you know, it's like you're 60 and you're supposed to have it all together. And I don't think people realize that when you're 60 and older, new and different problems arise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And they're soluble, you know, they're sol solvable, they're not soluble, to scratch that. Um, they are, you know, I've seen, I've, I worked on a project in St. Louis as a design team member, and I collaborated with architects and engineers and urban planners and neighborhood groups, and in designing stations and uh, creating master uh, master plans for art and you know I just saw how artists could play a really large role in creating better uh, st structures and situations in this world and if we sit around and wait for somebody to come up with something uh, we're going to be sitting around a long time you know, right right um, you know there's already existing retirement communities for other types of people, you know, that are centered around things like, uh, you know, golf or um, some, some retirement, uh, you know, retirement communities are centered around taking college courses, you know, lifelong learning or, um, you know, hiking and recreational type things or RVs. And so to me, when you were talking about this, it seemed like such a natural thing. But the thing that artists don't always have is money, right? But at the same time, artists don't really care if they have all of the fancy bells and whistles, the gated community and all of that. Yeah, the way I see it is there's not really nothing wonderful out there for anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's spa-like places and there's uh, ersatz country club-like places and there's even places they call artist retirement communities mm -hmm. which basically have an art room and offer art classes and dance classes and things right and you know that's not for artists <laughs> you know, right right that, artists are they want art you know artists are incorporated into the programming in places like that but there just aren't places to enable artists to keep working. And I, I think it's everyone, you know, or all artists. You can have all the money in the world, but you're going to end up in one of two situations as the uh, landscape stands. You're, you're going to be at home being dealt with or being cared for by a string of strangers and overburdened family members, 
or you're going to be in some kind of disguised institutional center mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, that kind of thing. I think 60 to 80, it's a really still productive time for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen artists you know, go to these very lovely high-end kinds of places and they drag their art-making equipment with them, but they have to keep it in the art room. And during COVID, they were locked out. Mm-hmm. Or they try to, you know, enliven their environment with by teaching courses and things like that. But I don't see any place set up to really enhance uh, the ability of artists to keep working. And I think that's a sh- that's a terrible waste. So, what do you have in mind? <laughs> Yes. Like, what do you? What's your, what's your vision? <laughs> well, you, you know, it's an evolving vision. I'm doing a lot of research, um, and my vision is a kind of intergenerational uh, complex. I guess ideally, I'd like to see a campus. You know, like a a campus that had facilities, uh, uh, studios accessible to artists 24-7, you know, nice, nice living space, but noth- nothing fancy, just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little hive, a little art factory, but for, you know, that was a, everything accessible um, and, you know, a stimulating environment uh, uh, that had, that has uh, exhibition opportunities that also has programming, and by programming I mean things like help for artists with estate planning mm-hmm. and archives. You know, I'm really struck by how much work is lost. You know, artists, uh, they grow old, they end up moving back to wherever they came from to be closer to family, or they die and their work gets dumped on the sidewalk or you know there's all kinds of like not great scenarios and right right so so it's a supportive environment that is not a medical facility where people are encouraged to help each other mm-hmm. you know the doctor's appointments sometimes you have to have people take you and rely on your family and friends so much but uh I think if, I, I think it's possible to create uh, a really more dynamic, supportive kind of place. Right. Yeah. Are you what at what stage art? I mean, have you been looking at real estate, or what if you? I know you're you've got fiscal sponsorship. Yeah. What's what's the what's the timeline here? The ideal timeline is something like three to five years, but I know that that is uh, optimistic because this is a big idea and any way you look at it in, involves a, you know, fundraising and a lot of planning. That's kind of the framework. Well, are you imagining that this would be uh, funded by um, you know, the artists themselves or, or outside funding? Well, my experience is uh, projects usually require like all kinds of mixes. So, well, I'd, I'd love to see some uh, artists, prominent artists who are in a position to do something, uh, step forward. That would be great. Because I'd really like to see artists helping other artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also uh, foundations and uh, collectors and uh, arts organizations. That, you know, there's a, a range government the organizations. There are a lot of angles here, which is, uh, you know, communities who might want to want something like this in their area. Researchers who want might like something, you know. Uh, I hate to use the word geriatric, but uh, you know, there's all kinds of research and funding from different angles. I think that could come into play. Well, they've had all kinds of studies about. Um, you know, older people and and creativity and how, you know, if you keep your mind active, that it is definitely going to make for a better quality of life the older you are. And so when you say studies, do you mean that sort of thing? To, to study sort of the cognitive, you know, decline? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about, 
you know, taking a really different approach to aging. Not art classes and art therapy, you know, but maybe uh, more the how uh, a community of professionals can create a really lively, vibrant environment. Right. Uh, you know, it seems to me that the you would want to keep the community fairly small. I mean, I can't imagine having one of those, like one of those retirement communities that has, you know, hundreds of people in it. What do you think? Well, first, um, we talked about this uh, at one point. Um, I really want to see the language around aging change. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm in denial, but I don't want to think about this as a retirement community right. <laughs> because I right. immediately picture golf carts. Um, and I don't identify with retiring. Artists don't retire. Right. In fact, you know, when they get Social Security, it's more like the stipend that artists should have had all along. Well, that's it. You know, I was, <laughs> you know I, it's like finally we're getting government funding. Well, there's that, but, you know, I was hoping today we'd also talk about artist housing, studio space, and the structure of artist support in more general terms, not just how it affects um, older artists. Right. Because, you know, a lot of artists, uh, I know artists who, you know, they freelance, they did question, they had questionable financial histories. They don't qualify for that government stipend that is social security. Mm-hmm. As you get older, you know, the, you're not called on for those uh, lucrative uh, guest artists things and uh, opportunities sort of evaporate. So I I think we need, this could be, uh, I could be really off base and I hope other people will chime in about this when there are questions and comments. I think the shape of artists' resources is really off. You know, I really, there's so little artists, stable artist housing and stable studio space Mm -hmm. for artists Mm -hmm. in in New York. For anyone, any age. And to me, that's the fundamental way you help artists. Everyone I know lived in a million different places and on couches. Everyone I know has had ups and downs. And yet, you know, the, the funding all seems to be for very specific things, like a studio for a year. That's the longest. I don't understand why artist organizations are working on artist housing, but I don't see anyone creating artist housing. Right. The the last artist housing in the city was in, created, it began in 2009, and it opened in 2014, and that's PS 109, and 53,000 artists applied for housing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And apparently that's uh, typical for affordable housing. Uh-huh. And that's what I'm talking about isn't just, you know, I'm look, looking to create something that's reasonable housing and maybe sliding scale because I don't want to see a ghetto of, you know, economic ghettos or... Or any, I want I want to see a mix like they have at Yado or McDowell. You know, I want to see uh, the community not fragmented by finances or mediums or any of these things. But uh, you know, age cuts across all the demographic dividers, all the ethnic. And, uh, I think we have a crisis. Right. At, Although, you know, now it seems as though a lot of the grant funding goes towards, they're much more interested in funding projects that are community-oriented than they are in funding individual artists, you know, practice in, uh, practices in individual artist studios. And so that might actually a good thing for a project like this. You have a broad understanding of the community engagement, and I think that's great and that's what we need. But I think it's understood now in terms of sort of doing things with the community or offering an exhibit or a talk or something like that. I don't think it's a real up from the grassroots, how do we as a community uh, help different groups? 
I could be wrong. Well, what do you mean? Well, I know I've received a wonderful grant from NISCA. Mm-hmm. For, for, I, I'm an artist who likes uh, community engagement. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's uh, not about long-term housing or... or I'm not sure I'm clear what your question is. Because there is, seems to be much more interest for funders, you know, government funding, to fund things that somehow in some way energize communities or contribute to the community, that it could easily be turned around so that artists' housing can be seen as the type of project that contributes as a whole to the community. Not that individual artists have to then offer classes for community. The housing itself is the community project. I mean, well, I think someone who's really clever in terms of grant writing could could do something with that. I agree. I think it's a great way to look at things. Um, you know, and I, I think the information is out there about but it's from a different perspective that that it's great to have artists around because they're economic drivers for communities right but you know i i think the sort of cultural uh, uh, benefits and the uh, and addressing the social service kinds of needs are not there Right. And it also has to be, you know, it would be great if someone other than the artists could get on board to help. Yeah. I mean, artists have to do everything. (laughs) (laughs) But here you are taking this on. Do you see it as part of your practice, possibly? You know, you've been very engaged in public art art, um, projects. Is this this a part of your art practice, possibly? Sharon, yes. (laughs) Because otherwise... You, you know, otherwise it would just be this, like, huge, uh, you know, it would just loom large as something like, oh, my God, grants, and uh, how is this ever going to happen? But, you know, I'm looking at this as an opportunity to create something really great from the point of view of aesthetically, right. you know, architecturally, um, socially... Every aspect, uh, and as collaborative, uh, you know, to have different kinds of expertise involved mm-hmm. in, in shaping it. Um, I'm putting the idea out there, and I'm hoping, you know, so far good responses. Uh, I don't think there's anything that really looks at what happens when you age. How, how can it be like really exciting and interesting instead of scary and awful? Mm-hmm. Right, right. A- and there's, you know, I see the approaches so far as like uh, starchitects and expensive, and you know, uh, PS one hundred nine costs fifty two million dollars for eighty nine spaces, mm-hmm. and. That's not making use of artists, you know. The, I don't know. That's that's not looking around and finding like people like the rural studio, where they're trying to come up with uh, kits for to build a house for twenty thousand dollars, and they're building community spaces for by recycling materials mm-hmm. and really being innovative. And I. W- I think that artists need to be involved, but we also, you know, we, we need those people who uh, like us and support us. Right, to, right. I mean, I think about projects like um, James Terrell and the, the Crater and all of the money that's gone into things like that, which yeah, seems I don't kind of amazing that he was able to raise that kind of money for such a project. Over years, decades. I, I'm not familiar with how he funded. The well, it's just every phase was was you know grant funded, and donor funded, and so forth. I will be I, looking into that. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, it's um. Let me see. What time do we have? All right. Let me just t- take a little bit of a break here to reset the room and give a shout out to some of our friends and sponsors at Two Coats of Paint. After the break. 
I'm sure people in the audience have uh, comments, questions, um, you know, know of projects that have, people have done and have stories about aging artists, so raise your hand for that. But first I want to thank the Pratt Manhattan Gallery at 144 West 14th Street. The exhibition up now is The Work of Love, The Queer of Labor, curated by Olga Kopenkina. Uh, it's an exhibition of drawing, photography, video, posters, and installations that explore both historical and imagined connections between queer and left activism. And that's on view through August 20th. At the Painting Center, Break of Day, Edge of Night, curated by Stephen Cabral, Lisa Petker-Mintz, and Christopher Shad, is on view August 13th. They're located at four, uh, four, uh, sorry, 547 West 27th Street, Suite 500 in Chelsea. And that is a huge show with lots of people that I'm sure everybody knows. Um, I also want to thank members of Two Coats Social Media Project. The Two Coats team helps them organize and produce their social media feeds. And we're accepting new accounts for September. So if you're interested, click on Social Media Ad in the Two Coats of Paint sidebar for information. And I should say, it's at www.twocoatsofpaint.com. Uh, and also, there's a link up at the top. And finally, a huge thanks to all the generous readers and listeners who made donations to our annual year-end fund drive, Thanks for your generous support. Two Coats of Paint is celebrating our 15th year. And also, big shout out to the Two Trees Cultural Space Subsidy Program for uh, making space affordable for, for us in Dumbo. All right. In case you're just joining us, I'm talking to Sally Applebaum about her interest in creating live work communities for older artists. Uh, it looks like we've got some hands raised. Uh, if you have a comment or question... Um, go ahead and raise your hand if you want to share. Oh, we have a question here in the chat. Orianne asks, what do you think about a multi-generational community where there are younger people who help with the chores that older people can't do themselves, maybe with a reduced rent incentive? I think that's, yeah, I think that's great. And there is kind of a, there is such a place in Milan. It's the Casa Verde, Verde House for... Uh, aging musicians, opera singers, and uh, the composers. Uh, Verdi started it at the turn of the century, from the uh, 20th century. And um, they have students. They have mentoring programs. They have students who live with the uh, older residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the facility has performance spaces, it has practice rooms, it has uh, an archive and library, and um, they have an active program with students. So that is, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, who, who wants to be off in the wherever, uh, just with people their own age? Um, no one, I don't think. Maybe there's some people, but... Um, I think that we there needs to be an exchange and I also think there's a lot of information and expertise lost uh, as older artists uh, disappear and um, there isn't that kind of, there aren't apprenticeships and mentorships and all kinds of things that um, help both parties internships and things seems like a great idea um, you know, Leslie Kirby has joined the stage. Hi, Leslie. You have to unmute yourself. Ah, good. First time doing this. <laughs> there you are. Hi, yeah, Leslie. Me, Leslie, hi. Me too. First time hi. doing this. Okay. Yeah, no, this is really interesting, and I, I'm aware of your mission here to do this. I'm wondering if um, the artist residency uh, is kind of the beginning of what you want to model. Um, where, you know, instead of just going for a month or a couple of weeks, there's that there's the living component built into it, but it is multi-generational. Um, I'm not sure how you would house, like, the different generations, but maybe residency format could kind of form the basis of this idea, but you would plug in the housing component to it 
And because residencies also attract composers and architects and musicians. Um, <clears throat> I know when I was at the American Academy in Rome, you know, it was multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the kernel of it yet, but maybe there's that's yeah. a way of learning to think about it in terms of artists <clears throat> versus other people. Well, there's, you know, yes, I've definitely been influenced in my thinking by uh, different res- artist residencies. And I have to say, most of the, that, a lot of countries have them. And in the United States, they seem to be for two weeks to two months. Um, I benefited from residencies at Chiverny for six months and at La Cité des Arts um, for, I could have stayed two years. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe using a different word than residency, but sort of that's the kernel of the idea. Well, here's... And all of that. Yeah, you know, one thing, uh, uh, we're at a very early stage of this and the, uh, open to possibilities. When we're, uh, you know, I, I think there's just many wonderful opportunities that could happen. And one is, you know, a lot of the residencies I've been to on the East Coast, they, they were short-term residencies, but the estates they came with have hundreds of acres, and I wondered if maybe we could piggyback with a short, short-term residency and have uh, a different, you know, a long-term <laughs> residency nearby, you uh-huh. know, on, on those hundreds of acres that, uh, you know, the, so maybe there'd be a continuum. You start at the short term and then you uh, can uh, one day end up if you need, if you're looking for a live workspace on a longer term basis, then voila, uh, there's this. Um, I, I spoke with some a very interesting person who managed to buy a campus um, for not a lot of money, a defunct college campus. I was just thinking of that. So many colleges are going to be going under. Yeah. Well, they've, she, she did it. It's an amazing project. And um, it's turned into an art center and, uh, you know, trails and, uh, you know, all this organic kind of stuff. And they're starting with uh, studio spaces, but there's also another 100 acres nearby. Um, so wouldn't it be great to have something like what I'm talking about? Um, which I envision as having facilities and at least access to facilities. So you live nearby to an art center. There's that kind of community exchange and uh, availability of facilities, etc. But we have to fundraise like crazy at this point so that we can take advantage of something like that if it happens when it happens. Well, you know, I'm wondering... Um, Sally, are you thinking about creating materials? You know, I know you talked about working with lawyers and so forth. Are you thinking about creating a set of materials that other artists can use to get their projects well, abs- off the ground? Oh, yeah, yes. But, of course, I think we need uh, a little more time to coalesce. We're, we're not quite there. That's down the road, but that is... I definitely like this to be a franchise. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd like this to be an idea that pops up all over the country. So artists have like places to go and uh, assistance with their doing their work and uh, a community, you know, a continuation of community. Um, I just have one question, Sally. Um, I know you said that you've been forming a board um, to kind of get your concept off the ground. Do you have architects and do you have artists and makers from other disciplines that are part of that group that can help kind of develop the kernel of what that model looks like? And then you could say, you know, you could do this in your community or that community. I formed a board and it has, I think, five people I have to count. (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, five incredible and diverse people, uh, uh, people with very different skill sets. And I've got someone who is a, uh, it's been working with museums and uh, foundations forever and ever at a very high level. Um, I have someone who has been working with helping other organizations uh, function and who has incredible uh, management abilities, who understands organizations, who's been a tremendous help. And he's specialized in the area of um, regenerative agriculture. So this is someone who brings that uh, expertise in sustainable design in building organizations. So that's been just very, very important. Uh, And I have someone who, uh, a wonderful curator who uh, has dedicated her uh, career to public service and working with public art, working with the MTA, working and now is working with hospitals uh, and doing wonderful uh, pioneering kinds of projects, so so that's a you know a level of expertise that I need, and I I've got uh, uh, IT you know an amazing uh, kind of uh, uh, someone working on a PhD in computer logic that you you know I don't even understand what she's working on, but just has an overview of how things work in the world that's been very helpful. And I have a fellow artist uh, who uh, I, one of my favorite artists and a poet and painter. I was advised to have a board that's nine to thirteen people. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to increase my board and uh, look for all kinds of people who are in different fields to bring into the discussion. Uh, so that's part of my learning curve. But, you know, I, I've made a point of talking to everyone I can who's tried to do something like this. Uh, I am not the first. Uh, so I've learned a lot about what works and what doesn't. And so our, our model is growing along those, you know, wh- what we're learning in regard to uh, creating a project like this. Well, what, what does work and what doesn't work? What have you learned? Well, I've learned that a group of friends getting together doesn't work. Uh, you know, Good to try- know. Yeah, and getting getting a or it it hasn't worked with those particular groups, but I've seen that on a number of occasions where people thought, "I'll get together a bunch of my friends and we'll do this." <laughs> and what what goes wrong? <laughs> well, one person wants it to be in one place, and another wants it someplace else, and one wants to be near certain things, and the others want it to be near someplace else. And <laughs> so there's just a very basic disagreements from the beginning. Uh, and then I've seen on the opposite scale where there's been a you know mass massive number of people coming together, hundreds, and there's no hierarchy. And it, they just meeting themselves to death. Um, you know, trying to... They meet and they meet and they meet. And there's just so many opinions and... I, I haven't seen that work. Maybe it can. Maybe just that particular group. Is it better to divide into committees uh, they, to deal they, with certain issues? They did that, and the committees reported. And I think this went on for years. And the last I checked, the website the, the, they were it hadn't been updated for years. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I, it's very daunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I foresee partnering with different organizations and people and and stuff, but um, th- yeah, that's I, I see. But I I feel that things have been we, we have what we have because it's been left in the hands of developers and healthcare systems and uh, you know for government. profit basically for profit. Yeah. Right. Hi, Karen. Uh, Karen Schifano has joined us. Hi. Um, I just wanted to ask if, you know, I posted this on Facebook, 
And somebody chimed in from Sacramento, um, and they said there's something called the Sacramento Warehouse Artist Warehouse Lofts. And I wondered if you had done. You, I know you talked about outreach, and I wondered if you had um, looked into this place particularly because she said it. This person said it took 10 years to come forward, but it's incredible and it's fantastic. And um, <clears throat> I, I no, thanks she said, for. But she was. She yeah, she's she sort of she just posted. It. I'd never even heard of her name before, so she posted on my page on Facebook. So. Um, and my, the second part of my question was whether you are involved with the city in any way, or is there any way of... Uh, you may have talked about this already. I didn't, I didn't know what the politics of it might be. I know it's a nonprofit, but I didn't know whether there'd be a connection to New York City government in some way. I'd love to work with New York City government, but we're not there yet. Um, you know, I will reach out. Reach out. The... Um, Sometimes, uh, or in most cases, I think that there are public-private partnerships and funding is is some uh, not-for-profits have for-profit parts. <laughs> so, so that you know, the uh, our approaches we're working on sev- several fronts. I I have to say. I'm wondering if it's really possible to do something in a reasonable time frame um, that includes all kinds of artists, not, uh, that's not strictly an affordable housing initiative uh, with government funding. Um, I don't know the answer to that. So, And I, I also wonder if it's possible to do what I'm talking about in the city at this point, because it's just so expensive, and the bureaucracy is so overwhelming. The, you know, the permits and uh, construction uh, complexities, uh, you know, it's just a lot easier outside the city. Right. You know, I saw a sign the other day. I was walking in Long Island City, and I saw this sign. It said, come to Ohio. (laughs) And they're trying to get people to move to Ohio. And it seems to me like it would be so much easier to do a project like this at some town that wanted to bring people in, you know, that was looking for an economic generator. Yeah, and I think there are plenty, and I maybe my goal is a, a two-hour radius of new, to the city. I I think that it's really important to have access to New York City, right, right, uh, for a lot of artists, uh, for a lot of reasons. But um, yeah, so I. I'm based here. I'm looking here, but uh, I think could there I, are. Could I throw in another thought on that that popped yeah. into my head? And that's, you know, when they're building these new buildings, they have to set aside a certain amount of housing for low income. And I'm wondering if there's a way of including low income older artists as a as an incentive for them. I, I don't know. And it gives the, the developers tax write offs or something like that. Maybe it's too. Yeah, they, bureaucratic. I don't know. But. Yeah, this is a issue. Uh, first, the that affordable housing, all of it. The the what I've read is that it is not surprising for fifty thousand people to apply for the openings, um, and artists don't meet a lot of the. Uh, criterion for living in those spaces. That they're trying to. I think there's been discussion about putting artists in these buildings and uh, working on the application forms. But most artists don't have the financial or employment histories that will enable them to be accepted to these government housing projects. Interesting. Somebody has just left a note in the chat suggesting that communities wouldn't want these because it would change the politics of the communities, yeah. you know, particularly <laughs> in the red states. I remember when Trump first got in office, and I was gung-ho that we should all move to you know, um, towns that could easily be flipped. <laughs> and uh, I forgot about that, but maybe Lori's right there. 
Maybe I don't know. You know, uh, I think economic incentives are probably override political. I've, I've lived out, out of the city, and the cities are hungry for economic drivers. You, you know, they, they accept uh, businesses that are going to pollute the areas, and they accept religious groups who do definitely change right. the political right. landscape. Um, I think you would want artists. <laughs> I, I'm biased, but uh, you know we come with uh, there's so many studies that show how artists really improve uh, quality of life when they right. move into and artists. Areas. Artists, I think, for the most part, are are trying to be good citizens. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I guess you could debate both sides. I mean, very red places might think we're all communists and uh, block us out, but um, if if we come with, uh, if we're going to make their local businesses thrive and things like that, they might reconsider. You know, somebody has, uh, oh, we have a, a speaker here coming up, but also somebody has suggested talking to Bob and Eleanor Lee who uh, do an Asian American art center, and um, they've had a lot of experience with this sort of thing. So mm. that might be something to think about. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Hi, Orion. Hi. Um, as you know, Sally, I think this is a great thing, and I totally support it. But when you just said some red towns might think we're a bunch of communists, it it makes me think: isn't this socialism? <laughs> I mean, it is in, in a good way. I mean, of course, like I mean that in the good way. But, but yeah. like in this environment particularly, um, how? I mean, this goes against everything you know in our culture. You know, capitalism, um, competition. You know, build up your wealth. I mean, how? You know, how is this going to happen in a climate that is even more? Um, you know, Trumpified, even though he's not in power right now, you know, with all these public programs being cut. I mean, how is this going to be? I mean, I don't want to be a downer, you know, because I think this <laughs> is a great thing, but it it just seems like it, it goes against everything American, you know, so how are we going to get it done? I mean, it's got to be a combination of public and private as far as funding, but yeah. No, it, it's a very hard sell. And also, like, how is it an economic generator? You know, it's like the opposite of an economic generator. It's just going to eat, it's going to eat resources. I mean, obviously, I'm an artist, and I think artists, you know, contribute a lot, but they're not really an economic generator if they're not, like, young and hot and pumping out the product for art fairs. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be real. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks, Orion. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry to bring you home, Dad. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm looking at this. I, I haven't looked at it as socialism. Um, you, you know, I don't look at it as a freebie. Um, I think that we're going to have to have some kind of funding to get it off the ground. So, it's, you know, it's uh, not going to be economically sustainable just right off the bat. It needs some seed money, some startup money. Um, but I am seeing this as like a sliding scale kind of thing where uh, some people are paying full, full way. I mean, it's not going to appeal to everybody you know, being in a place with a bunch of other artists. So some people are going to want to go home to their where they were born or something. Or, you know, <laughs> some people have other plans. But it seems to me that at a certain point, for artists who are going to need uh, a different kind of living situation, something that includes accessibility and some support, and um, who, who will like being in a community, um, there should be something there. And just numbers show that we need some. We're going to have to come up with things. Uh, it may not be the for-profit capitalist model because it's not that's not going to absorb all the people who right, are right. going to need places. 
let, let me give you a little AARP uh, uh, factoid. Uh, 65 people, 10,000 people are turning 65 every day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, so that's happening. We have to come up with new models for people. For profit isn't always the answer, you know. The of course not. I mean, it's horrible, especially I, I, in healthcare. Yeah, in healthcare. And when when I when I think about this, I think about working from the bottom up to create a different set of relationships with everything, you know. Right. From uh, how people relate to each other, other, you know, like help each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I think this is going to be especially appealing to those of us who don't have children. You know, I was like, just gonna say something <laughs> about that. Like, uh, oops, sorry, I don't, don't want to have kids. Hi, Artifile, welcome. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. that too. You know, I see it for everybody. You know, couples and. Uh, people with children. I don't see the children really living there, but I s see them involved. But you know, and and it should be a like a good thing for families because I see what's happening with my family, and it's a, it's uh, tough. It's tough on everybody. Um, so if we, you know, if you don't have to worry so much about uh, having to give up your studio or move or something like that, um, it helps. You know, the next, that older generation, you, you know, you can do that, take care of your parents and partners and things, and also continue to do your work. So you're productive. And I'm thinking that people will still be showing and selling and having vibrant careers where they might not. You know, I, I've seen friends of mine have had to sort of remove themselves from the scene for like decades to care for. This would help. <laughs> Hi, Artifile. Welcome. Thank you, Sally. It's so nice to hear your voice and to see you participating here on this. Um, I missed the beginning, so if anybody wants to restate the crux of the issue for me, please. But um, I have lived many years in New York City. I chose to move to Houston to be with the man I love and have a baby and we're far away from family and I live across the street from a retirement home and I cannot express how valuable that has been to my kid because we don't have grandparents and I know in many countries it's customary to have nurseries in retirement homes and I just see that as being such an instant answer to everything you've just said in the last five minutes. And I believe our societies have really suffered in the past, you know, 200, 300, 400 years as people have started to travel away from their families, have, you know, start their own little insular families, um, children being away from their elders. That's an interesting idea. Um, you well, know, we're, we're coming to the point where we're going to wrap it up. But I wanted to ask Sally to ask you, is there anything listeners can do to keep up with what you're doing or become involved with the project? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a website, artrepublicspace.org. It's artrepublicspace, it's one word. And on the website, you can sign up for our newsletter. And when we have news, we don't really have a lot of news right now, but when we have news, we will have, we'll let you know. And also, uh, we we could really use uh, financial support. <laughs> I I hate to put make my pitch, but you know, little. If you think this is an important idea, um, you know, we need the the. Uh, small donations, large donations, any donations at this time. What are you funding at this point? We are funding hiring some staff assistants, mm -hmm. part-time. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and forgive me if I sound like a late-night TV fund our project <laughs> uh, announcer. The, um, we, we need some some help to do all of the things that 
uh, will create a viable organization. You know, we need somebody maintaining our social media uh, presence. We need some uh, a bookkeeper. We need uh, a professional development uh, advisor. Uh, all of that stuff, and Maybe so grant writing. Grant right. I I can write grants, but uh, you know, development is a specialized field, and uh, people who know who's out there already and might be interested. Uh, you know, we so that that's what you're funding. It's not uh, glamorous, I guess, but uh, it's the seed money to get us going. Right. Some someone just asked if if you're a five hundred one c three, and I believe you're not, but you are fiscally sponsored. We are fiscally sponsored, and that means uh, donations are tax exempt. Uh, and we al- we also have artwork for sale on our uh, website, which uh, that's not tax exempt. But uh, wonderful artists have stepped up to support us and uh, check out their work. So the money from the um, art sales goes a hundred percent to the. Uh, project or uh, it's up to the artists. Got it. Uh, I asked them what percentage they'd like to donate, and some it's a hundred percent, some it's fifty percent. It's totally uh, what they they would like. And we also have an artist page where we link to those uh, those artists who uh, have given us work. With. You know, we want to support them back, and so you can link to their websites and find out more about them from our website. Right. Well, you know, thanks, Sally. You know, I the thing that I really appreciate about this conversation is that it, I think, is going to get people to think more creatively about the possibilities are for artist housing, not just for older artists, but problems and situations that are challenging in terms of, Artifile mentioned, the daycare and elder-younger relationships. And somebody else mentioned it could be a residency with uh, younger artists performing services for the older artists. And there's just so many ideas and so many threads that I hope people will pick up from the conversation. So, Sally, thank you so much for making us think a little bit more creatively about the future. Yeah, well, stay in touch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... uh... Uh, thank you for this opportunity because I really do want to get the word out and reach a wide, wide swath of artists who are, are looking for something like this. Right. And also, uh, Sharon, I wouldn't, wondered if you wanted to mention what you're doing. I, th- I think that new. Oh, I. You know, I think I've mentioned this before, but I. I've started a. Um, sort of an obituary and remembrances website for artists because I think so often that when artists pass, you know, if they're not, you know, well-known enough to make it into the New York Times, what happens is they have their uh, obituary in their local paper where they came from where they don't really understand what the artist's contribution was to the larger art community. And so um, I'm encouraging people, if they have artist friends who have died, Please, by all means, submit um, you know a proposal for s- some sort of obituary remembrance, and um, so that uh, you know it's underway. I had gotten underway, gotten it underway just before my major hack, my you know two coats of paint was hacked in March, and so we sort of had to build it from the ground up, and so, but you know we sort of took the wind out of our sails, but we're, we're getting back. Yeah, with everything. but. I mean, uh, you know, these are the things we don't talk about. I don't know if it's an uplifting note to end on, but but it's important, and it's part of, it's an archive. It is an archive. It's an important archive. Yeah. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us. And if you want to share the conversation or just listen again, Two Coats of Paint conversations are now archived in rough pause catch format, which means that they don't have music or introductions or anything, but it is an archive of the conversation on most of the podcast platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and so forth. Just subscribe uh, in your podcast um, platform to Two Coats of Paint Conversations. And the audio is generally posted by the end of the day that the conversation takes place. So please listen, share, and um, come back for our next conversation. Mm -hmm.
Thanks, everyone.